0: Your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 209. Uh, Guys coming here with the postgame. We may have started a tad bit early, but it's a Friday night. My guest here this evening is a little older. I'm a little older. So maybe we jump the shark a tad. It's okay. We'll have a final here by the time we get to the end of this. Uh, Not surprising for anyone. Joining me here this evening, obviously now a great part of the Orange and Brown Report. Um, You may remember the voice, uh, you know, kind of did run things here at Lockdown Browns. Mr. Jared Mueller. Jared, how's everything going? Uh, It's been a while. It's definitely been a while. But how's everything going for you, pal?
0: Hey, brother, man. It's going good. It's good to be back on on LOB and, uh, you know, actually have a team that has some excitement around it that isn't some false fool's gold hope but actually looking like they they have something to work with uh so it's going well man how are you doing
1: uh we're good um you know the reviews have been positive i decided to you know finally meet the upgrades around here the people seem to be loving it um looking look real football to talk about it was real tough to fill a certain part of this obviously with the cleveland cavaliers run obviously and the cleveland indians you know basically in a one-man show in the al central so it was tough to get people driven back here now but look you know I know in Ohio most of the kids are back in school so that always is the first sign of hey you know football is back um, I would say right from jump I, I think it's been this this game was a, a role reversal um first things first right off the top of my head obviously the running game the running game has been a factor this week which is a pleasant surprise. Um the defense got a little bit more tested, which I do think they need to do. They desperately needed. I don't think the Giants gave him much last week, Jared.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the two sides of the ball that uh, are going to be important. The b- Browns have to be able to run the ball. No matter how much we get excited about the quarterbacks and and the weapons and all of those kind of things, the Browns need to be able to run the ball. They need to be able to protect um, Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield, whoever is going to be behind uh center so they have to be able to run the ball and they have three backs that should be able to so they just really have to be able to put it on the field but when you're trying to adjust and can't get a a line to gel kevin zeitler's out you move joel batonio you move austin corbett uh it's tough to get a run game or even pass protection going so uh, but it is something they have to get going no matter how uh not sexy it is um But Sexy is looking at that defense with Miles Garrett, Emmanuel Agba, Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, Those guys are flying all over the place, and they were making it very, very difficult. Uh, And actually looks like they have knocked out A.J. McCarron for a decent amount of time with uh, some type of uh, injury to his shoulder. So uh, the defense was really fun to watch tonight.
1: Um, well, the A.J. McCarron, and for everybody who dogged on me, because that probably went on for about a month to six weeks. And then in the free agency. Guys, I told you, this was nothing you wanted to be a part of. Um, maybe that was Sashi's parting gift, was the Halloween savior of, and even <laughs> still, giving up two draft picks for a guy that you could have had for free if you truly wanted him in two months. So, you know, Sashi, wherever you are, you know, Happy Halloween. Thanks again. Uh, you want to show up, walk by the house, I'll throw you an extra Snickers. Um, <laughs> I will go with this, obviously, you know, because I did make a point of, yes, I, I think the defense needed to be tested. Um, I do want to, uh, Jamie Collins, uh, some of us may give me a little bit of a hard time. Uh, seemed like he was moving pretty well tonight. Uh, you know, Productive, I think it was four total attackers or whatever, You know, in the limited amount he played. Um, and I do think there's going to be an issue here with this linebacking core, because I don't think Michael Kendricks is going to be okay with being a second stringer, and again another strong performance, he seemed really quick off, you know, really quick to the hole. Uh, I think for him, maybe it was a combined another four total tackles. Uh, there's going to be a question here with this linebacking core. Yes, it's great if it's deep and it's strong, but there's some guys here, Jared. Somebody's going to get upset here because they might not get end up getting the reps that they think they're going to get.
0: I'm actually really intrigued by how Collins. Uh, especially if anybody in the media gets to talk to him, he was actually playing, I believe, until the third in the third quarter. Uh, I'm looking through the play-by-play on the NFL media guide uh, to try to get an idea. I know he was playing later than most of the um, most of the first string, or even, uh, you know, he's one of the top four. So I'm really intrigued that you know late into the second quarter. Um, and I don't see him in the third quarter at least making a tackle or anything, uh, that he was playing uh, a little bit later than the other guys uh, when everybody else was pretty much out of the game that started the game. So um, we've heard a lot of rumors that Jamie Collins and the Browns probably aren't long for each other, meaning next year, uh, this upcoming offseason, we could see Collins uh, and the Browns parting ways. But when you see Collins on the field, whether it's at training camp or um, even just on TV, you see someone who is physically just different um, than anybody you really are going to see in a linebacking group. So it really will be interesting to see how Greg Williams, who loves his linebackers, he, last year he was in base defense more than pretty much anybody else and a couple teams combined. Um, what does he do with those four linebackers and how does it impact their pass defense, which last year was terrible, And many of us believe it was terrible because he just didn't have the right personnel in to impact the pass game. But it made their run defense really, really good. But in the modern NFL, run defense is important. Pass defense is vital. Uh, So I'm really intrigued to see how the linebacking core and the cornerbacks. uh, Carey was expected to be brought in as the, the starter um, across from whoever was going to be kind of that number one, and now you have Terrence Mitchell, who many of us thought would be the third or fourth cornerback, uh, kind of a slot guy, who has slid really in there as that number two corner, pushing down Carey and E.J. Gaines. So it's interesting what'll shake out both at the linebacker group and at cornerback.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it did seem kind of odd that you know all those veteran cornerbacks were brought in. And then he went and spent the number four overall pick on Denzel Ward. But it did tell tell you about what they thought of the guys they brought in. It was, you know, all right, you guys are going to fight for the playing time afterwards. Um, Obviously, everyone was a little feisty, though. They can get handsy. They can tackle, you know, which everything screams Greg Williams. So it's still interesting. And obviously, you know, next week, I think will be the big test. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to see from Philly because right now it does look like, you know, and I don't think they're going to let Carson Wentz take snaps, so it's going to be Nate Sedfeld. Yes, baby, Nate Sedfeld fan right here. <laughs> so we'll see how that works out. Um, there's two ways to view Jamie Collins getting the extended playing time. Is Jamie Collins saying, look, I need the run. I'm coming back. I, I need, I need the run. I need the extra time. And then there is the possibility of did Jamie Collins get the extra time to be showcased. So there's two ways to look at it. It'll be interesting how that is. Um, for me, I keep saying this again and again, John Dorsey pays outside linebackers who get double-digit sacks. So there's two ways to see it. But look, the Jamie Collins I saw tonight, look, yeah, I understand he might not be part of the 2019 plans, but the Jamie Collins that took this field tonight, I- I'm fine with this. I- I'm fine with that. That can be a part of a group, and maybe it won't be the worst thing in the world for Jamie Collins, who's getting closer to 30 years old, that he doesn't have to take every single rep. So, you know, it's going to be interesting how that plays out. Uh, we'll go to the quarterback play. Um, look, the, the guys got tested. I, I I don't think the passing game was as open as it was last week. I, I think Todd Haley really wanted to basically light a firecracker last week. Um, you know, Baker, I, I, you know, after the rough beginning, I, I think he found some footing afterwards. You know, obviously, you know, with second, third string, you know, fillers in or whatever. Um, But Tyrod, uh, look, well, and here's one thing. There's a horse of a wide receiver that could be in a Cleveland Brown uniform right now. So if he'd like to come to camp, if he's got everything (laughs) in order, it'd be nice to have because on a game like this where Cleveland, I mean, Buffalo's got a solid secondary, a guy like that, maybe, I don't know, Josh Gordon or whatever, he could be useful. He could have been serviceable.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think – You're exactly right that Todd Haley saw what the passing game could do last week, uh, both with Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield having success. He really throttled it down with his play calling. Um, I think Baker was um, not as accurate, not as crisp. Uh, Again, that's not talking down about how he played any of those kind of things. But uh, you saw the pass that Orson Charles, uh, quote unquote, dropped. It was behind him. It was low. It was good that it was low, but it was behind him. Made I mean, it a little bit more he difficult.
1: Touched it shouldn't automatically make it a drop,
0: right? And so I think you know he just wasn't as crisp uh, as he was in game one, and that's one of the reasons that while I think Baker Mayfield has a has a great future, uh, it's one of the reasons I generally lean towards sitting rookie quarterbacks inconsistency in the NFL can be very, very maddening and frustrating and can cause players to press when the games matter. And so uh, the fact that in game one, Baker looked pretty darn good, and in game two, he just didn't look as crisp, shouldn't be that surprising. That's what happens as a player is trying to learn, as a player is trying to develop, and most importantly, as defensive coordinators get more and more film on those players that's when those rookies need to adjust. And so I'm okay. And I generally encourage rookie quarterbacks to sit because I think it's best for them long-term if they're able to sit so that they can develop and they can take their time and they don't feel like pressing. And so – um, not too big of a deal. Honestly, Tyrod didn't seem overly um, pressed to uh, give a ton of effort in the game. Uh, not that he wasn't trying or any of those kind of things, but um, as a veteran, he knows what he knows, and him and Todd Haley know that they did well last week. You um, will probably see a lot more of him next week, and we'll probably see something closer to what we saw in Week 1.
1: 100%. Um, there's no reason. I mean, now it's, you know, I mean, Week 1 is... You know, getting out there, getting your feet under you. Week two, it's it doesn't matter because week three is what does matter. You know, Tyrod now, I mean, look, he started almost 50 NFL games. He knows the deal. Obviously, Todd Haley knows the deal. Um, Baker, look, it's been all aces to this point. So the fact that Baker can go in and look at some film and say, well, all right, I took a sack here. How could I have thrown that ball away? You know, the ball to Charles, it was a bad ball on my part. You know, did I, did I throw it to the right guy? Where was I wrong on this? And just let him continue to, you know, grow and mature. And he's going to do it. He's, that's what he wants to do. And, you know, he gets get to spend some time with Tyler Bray and Tyler, will sit him down and say, you know, here's what I saw. You know, let me know what you saw. And nothing's changed here. We know who the starting quarterback is week one. So just, you know, continue and, and just get better. Come back to work every day. Um, Guys, you're listening to Locked On Browns, part of the uh, you know, Locked On Network, you know, your team everyday, number one, uh, number one podcast in daily local team coverage. Uh Locked On Major League Baseball, guys. You know, as I said to my Indians, you know, listeners, guys, it's good now. Just get on through, find your way to October, and, you know, obviously, you know, hope for everything to work out. You know, you guys are, you know, are getting used to with most of your teams here in Cleveland, getting into postseason. So locked on major league baseball. Go ahead, find your locked on Indians. Get all over that, guys. Um, now I want to get back a little bit more to the running game, Jared. Um, obviously, you know Carlos Hyde. Not much of a run in Week One. Monster effort tonight, uh, Carlos Hyde. I apologize. Um, you know, found some daylight today. Ran hard. Nick Chubb for him. You know, obviously, you know, not against you know against lesser competition, but it's got to do a world of good for him that he's able to go out there and say, Wow, all right. Uh, I'm still the player I was at Georgia that first week under my belt. It wasn't great, but here I am succeeding again, and all right, I'm ready to go. Let's go.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Carlos Hyde gives the Browns a little bit of an upgrade over Isaiah Crowell, a little bit more consistency. He may not have huge runs all the time. Tonight, his longest run was 26 yards. I think that's probably the type of long run that you're going to see from Carlos Hyde. But again, nine attempts, 64 yards, and a touchdown. That is a solid effort. Um, especially because he was going against the Bills' number one defense primarily. And then with Nick Chubb, it seems really, really clear that if Nick Chubb can get a foot or two into the ground, not get hit behind the line of scrimmage, he is going to make some plays. Whether that's turning a one-yard gain into three, four, five yards, which he did tonight to get a first down, if that's turning even a loss into a no gain, or uh, the run that he almost took for a touchdown, uh, that later he did get the one-yard touchdown, if Nick Chubb is able to get himself moving forward, that is a, a running back that's going to make some big plays. And people are going to be a little bit surprised by it. Where Carlos Hyde is going to be a little bit more of a grinder type that is going to grind out some yards, uh, really punish the defense. Uh, he's going to pick his way through the de- through the defense. Uh, I think Nick Chubb is more of a get-his-foot-in-the-ground-go and as long as he's able to get near the line of scrimmage and get a little bit of head of steam, I think you're just going to see an explosive back. Um, and then obviously, Duke Johnson, still four carries, 27 yards, um, you know, in limited time. I think the Browns just have a dynamic rushing attack. What they're trying to learn and what the offensive line has to learn, and this is kind of those uh, details that are tough to verbalize or even write, um, is to understand how each back and how each lineman kind of what they expect, what they're trying to set up, what they're trying to do. Because if I think this lineman is going to push that outside, but he actually tries to push it inside, that doesn't work real well. And if as a lineman, I think a back is going to want to take something outside, but they want to go inside. Again, it's just that learning. It's a dance. I think um, when we think about sports, it's far more of an art that many of us give credit to because there's so many details that have to become kind of second nature. And I think in the run game and in blocking, that dance is really, really important because they're not talking to each other. They're not looking at each other. Uh, The back is looking at the back of the the offensive lineman, but they have to understand what each other is thinking. And so that dance, they got to get better. Kevin Zeitler will come back at some point in time, most likely uh, in the next week or two. And they'll have to kind of figure it out a little bit more. And so um, it's really good to see the Browns say, we were bad at this last week, let's get better at it this week, uh, and really attack that area. Because, they, again, they have to have that as a foundation of their offense. Because working off of that is Tyrod Taylor on boots, play action, those kind of things that can just be so dynamic. And then obviously the same thing for Baker Mayfield.
1: Yeah, and the thing is is you cannot get into you know basically the rhythm you got into against the Giants is we can pass it to you at will, We're going to offer you nothing in the run game because, I mean, that's going to be a recipe to get a quarterback killed. Um, But you just need the continued reps of this offensive line. Um, I think you know who your left tackle is. I mean, obviously your right guard's not playing. You know who your right tackle is. Uh, Pretty sure who your center is. Just more of the same. These guys need to go to work together. And like you said, you know, the reason I didn't bring up Duke Johnson is Duke Johnson just did what Duke Johnson does. I mean, you know, brings you great, you know, brings you solid And it's rare when you say a running back brings you chunk yardage, but Duke Johnson, (laughs) that's what he does. I mean, you know, at the end of every game, you look at touches, you look at yards, and it's seven, eight, nine per touch. So, I mean, you almost kind of get like a little bit of a, you know, a wide receiver give back at the running back position with Duke. Um, I do like the fact that they're really not trying to feature him too much in the passing game right now, which I, because there's no reason to. I mean, you know, almost kind of maybe let it slide, and maybe hopefully somebody's dumb enough to forget about it. But, you know, everybody knows what Duke can give us in the passing game, so there's really no reason to bring it, you know, in the preseason. It's just a waste of time. Let him go out there, just do enough to keep his legs, you know, keep his wiggle and his quick feet. Uh, so that, um, I do want to get in a little bit. Um, you know, we got to see Gennard uh, Avery this week. Uh, Damian Ratley, two catches for 19 yards. Now here's a guy uh, with Ratley that, you know, we're starting to hear more and more of, Cleveland's going to be in a tough spot for him because they might not be able to sneak him onto a pe- practice squad. And then Gennard Avery, you know, first reps out there, looked quick. I mean, was moving around really well. Obviously, this is a team, uh, this is a guy that they're really high on in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, and, you know, when the Browns passed on Harold Landry uh, and uh. then later took, yeah, 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 I figured that was coming. Uh, when they passed on Harold Landry, obviously passed on um, Bradley Chubb. Uh, and then drafted Chad Thomas. For me, that was a huge concern because they signed Chris Smith. They had Carl Nassib, but they really didn't have another pass rusher behind Miles Garrett and Emmanuel Agba. Jamie Collins can rush a passer from a linebacker position, but not really as a pure pass rusher. I think what was interesting is when you first uh, when they drafted Janard Avery, you thought linebacker. Okay, let's start to look at what he does as a linebacker. And he really does pretty well as a sideline-to-sideline linebacker. Uh, He diagnoses plays very well, uh, a lot of excitement. But then you start looking at him as a pass rusher. And so if you thought of him more as a 3-4 outside linebacker type pass rusher, On film, you see a guy who can really get after the quarterback, is explosive, is quick, is a sure tackler, and you saw that tonight. He was really creating a lot of pressure off the edge uh, when he was in the game, and he was in the game early. So this wasn't Jannard Avery uh, playing against the third and fourth stringers late in the fourth quarter. We're talking about Jannard Avery creating some pressure, creating some conflict for the Bills and their offensive line in the first quarter with the other Brown starters. And so it tells you what Greg Williams and the defensive staff, uh, including his son Blake Williams, who coaches the linebackers, thinks about Avery. So it's really exciting that the Browns may have gotten a steal a little bit later in the draft uh, on a player who fills really an important need. They don't have that big-time third pass rusher if it's not Avery.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing that I like most. And the thing is, you know, sometimes with a rookie – you miss a little time, you know, you kind of get slapped, you know, dropped back down the pecking order. Obviously, you know, for the fact that him as a fifth round pick was out there first preseason game, he could get reps in and was in there in the first quarter. They definitely think they have something. And this was something I was screaming about because I was a little nervous about it. Because the one thing you saw last year is, you know, Miles Garrett missed his time. Emmanuel Agba kind of looked good. When they played together, they really looked good. Then Emmanuel Agba went down. And it was just like, all right, we're going to throw the entire kitchen sink at Miles Garrett to keep him away from our quarterbacks. And now, if you got a guy like Avery, and it's going to be interesting with a guy like Smith, you know, guys who are a little bit undersized but are quick and can hit a gap and hit it hard. When you got two beasts who know what they're doing as pass rushers, I mean, for me, that could be a four, a fun four-man set because you can kick both of, uh, you know, Agba and obviously Miles inside, bring those two faster guys off the outside, it, it, it makes for some fun things. I know Greg Williams has got to be excited about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and what's interesting is um, can can Williams get pressure without having to send the house is going to be important. And then when you look at John Dorsey's history, he seems to have always liked to invest in pass rushers. And so it's why most of us assumed and believed that Bradley Chubb would have been the guy. Did he know Jannard Avery is going to be there in the fifth round and he was going to get the steal? Probably not. Maybe he believes a little bit more in Chris Smith as a pass rusher than many of us did when they made that signing coming from the Bengals, uh, who tend to never really hold on to their players anyways because they're cheap. Um, (laughs) So, uh, you know, Williams has to, and we saw some adjustments. I will say this, I've uh, really pushed back on a lot of Greg Williams schemes and it seems like a lot of bluster with not a lot of backing. Um, But even tonight, we saw some adjustments. We saw on third and short, we saw the corners up in press. Uh, On third and long, we saw defenders at all three levels of the defense instead of last year and in the first game where there was defenders at the line and defenders playing at the sticks or just beyond the sticks, which led to some easy third down conversions. We saw uh, players at different levels. Um, so we've seen some adjustments from Greg Williams so far. Um, can he stick to them? Again, change is difficult for anybody. Um, and so Williams has been Williams, whether it was with the saints, uh, the Rams all over the place, he's always done what he's always done.
1: Yeah, and, and you know you know and you're certainly you know you know the way you know the coaching circles work now you look at you know the, the Sean McVay's of the world, these younger guys who love to just say, you want to I want to try this, So we're gonna do it. You know, as opposed to the old guard of, this is the way it's always been done, you know, fist pounding. But, you know, and the thing is always, you know, Greg Williams has got to adapt to the fact that, you know, oh, well, this is the way I've always done it. Oh, yeah, well, did you have a pass rusher who ran, you know, up below 4'5"? Or, or did <laughs> you have a safety who's got the athletic ability to play like a corner, but he's better suited in the box than a guy like Jabril Peppers? You, you know, it's, adapt or die is just a strategy that always... And forever is going to be going on with coaching and sports, uh, guys. Matt Williamson does a fantastic job with Locked On NFL, uh, setting up a great weekly lineup. You know, Monday he'll have you know Locked On hosts on to go over you know each team's games or whatever the biggest games. Uh, he's going to have Mike Renner, obviously from The Bachelor, PFF part of his uh, weekly uh, weekly lineup. I think he's going to be on on Wednesdays. Mike Sando from ESPN is going to be part of his Thursday. So Matt Williams, Locked On NFL, the Locked On NFL solo Locked On NFL podcast. You know Matt's got a real nice lineup coming for you guys this fall. So go ahead and check out Mike and Locked On NFL. Uh, give, give out a game bowl or two, uh, Jared. What do you got?
0: You know, for me, um, I love – honestly, I want to give it to Todd Haley. I, I love even game one. The running game was terrible. He still ran the ball 33 times. Like that means something to me. That's a, a guy knowing what he wants to do and trying to make it happen. And so in game two – 32 rushes, obviously far more successful. Um, but Todd Haley is uh, gets my game ball for today. Uh, I do want to give another game ball out, uh, and that is to the Kajust family. Uh, I had the honor and the privilege to uh, spend some time with Devin's father uh, during the scrimmage. Great guy. Him and I text back and forth pretty often now. Um, and just seeing their story on hard knocks, uh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Just know I spent some time with, with Greg um, at the scrimmage. Um, was just really cool. And just to see what that family looks like, knowing that Devin's struggling with that shoulder injury. He had one reception for 26 yards, got called for blocking early. Um, but the juice family, um, just a really cool family that I had the, the pleasure to get to know a little bit. Uh, and really, uh, you know, you never want to say it in the media, but that is a guy that I am rooting for. That is a family that I am rooting for. Uh, and I really hope that uh, he's able to stick with the Browns uh, and that we can continue to celebrate uh, having two juices on the, on the Browns with him and Jarvis Landry. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely fantastic story. And if his story does not continue here, uh, making a play of 26 yards, um, tight end position is always in need. So, you know, building to the resume to keep yourself going, You know, obviously a possibility for him. Uh, I'm going to give one. I'll give one as far as an eating crow. Carlos Hyde, go ahead, take it. Mm. I will give one to Nick Chubb, uh, a huge turnaround. And I think as a rookie in your first preseason game, you were jacked to the sky and for Nick Chubb to walk away from that after what he walked away from his four years at Georgia I think a huge rebound for him I'm actually gonna throw in and we'll call this one a bronze medal uh, I don't know if there was anybody harder on Josh Allen during the draft cycle than me uh, I think Josh Allen looked apart um, you know he didn't really get to see the money maker that Josh Allen has which is the incredibly insane deep arm and strength that he's got in that capacity. But uh, you know what, the touchdown pass was perfect. He probably could have ran it into the end zone, but more important for him, you know, for his, you know, obviously for his psyche and his confidence, was to drill that ball in there for the touchdown pass. Josh Allen, nice job today. Uh, you know, this was this is a very, very good quarterback class that could be a big part of the NFL going on further. And uh at this point with AJ McCarron hurt, uh obviously with Nathan uh Peterman taking the third string reps. I'd be stunned at this point if Josh Allen is not starting Week One for Buffalo, and you know, if I gotta eat it, I gotta take an L. I'll take it. I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, and when you look at the game uh, plan that Brian Dayball, again, the Browns' former offensive coordinator, we have a lot of those former coaches out in the league it's, and around. I mean, uh, people ask for a
1: storyline with the Browns. Every week is a storyline. <laughs> Even in preseason, you have two to three storylines.
0: Absolutely. But I mean, I think Dayball put together such a really good plan. Uh, It's the type of plan that I wanted for Deshaun Kaiser last year. You can say whatever you want. I had no desire for the Browns to draft Josh Allen. But if you're going to have Josh Allen on your team, you want him uh, making quick decisions, getting the ball out, not trying to overthink, not trying to always having to push the ball downfield, not trying to carry the offense. And Dayball put him in position, and he took what was there. Generally speaking, and so uh, I was surprised by what I saw. Uh, honestly, I was hoping for a few LOL Josh Allen moments that we could uh, put some videos up and some gifts up and those kind of things. But you know, all of it, You know, all in all, he looked good. If the Bills can be patient, allow him to grow, not push him too hard, not not put him in a position to throw the ball forty to fifty times a game, I think they can make something work. He's not going to be able to carry the team in the next two, three, or four years on his back. Uh, and they don't really have a lot of talent. So that'll be interesting overall as the season goes on. But with McCarron out, uh, Nathan Peterman, there's obviously significant limitations. Seems like it is going to be Josh Allen's team. Maybe Corey Coleman can make something happen.
1: Well, that's kind of where I, 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 I kind of slipped that one in there. You, you didn't see a lot of the nine route. Um, I, we kind of know a guy who can get vertical, who's in Buffalo now, so it's going to be interesting. But uh, you know, hey, I mean, Josh Allen, yeah, y- I mean, you know, you got you got me eating words for right now for tonight. Um, obviously, you know, the stage is only going to get bigger, so we'll see how he plays out with that. Uh, Jared, before we put a bow on this, uh, the OBR, obviously the Orange Brown Report. What can uh, all the listeners, uh, you know, obviously first let them know where they can find you, but let all the listeners know what they can be expecting out of you guys in the OBR over the next coming weeks and months.
0: Absolutely. So we are, uh, the easiest way is the Uh, we are a part of 24 seven sports and CBS sports. Uh, we have an amazing team right now that, uh, I'm it's, just, it's just an it's, honor. It it's, good. it's sick, isn't it? Uh, Jake Burns does a great job, uh, of really breaking down everything. I was impressed uh, on Twitter tonight. He was basically breaking down plays right after they happened. Uh, it was really impressive to see. Uh, so he does, uh, some five plays, three plays, uh, taking a look at how the quarterbacks are used. Uh, Jonathan Stevenson does a similar thing, uh, for us, Brandon Castle, uh, Bob Evans, myself. Uh, and then we have the legendary Lane Atkins who, um, is just in on everything, uh, knows a lot of the details. And so, uh, you can follow along the Des Bryant saga, Brashad Breland, Jonathan Hankins, a lot of things, uh, for our subscribers that we try to get up. Um, and so we, you know, we just have a really unique and then. Uh, Josh Edwards really is our guy who, uh, pretty much full-time is just anything Browns he's putting up. You, there is, I can basically promise you there is no story that is possibly connected to the Browns that will not be put up on our site at the OBR.com. And then our forums are really where Browns fans come together in a way that allows for, uh, good conversations. Generally we have moderators who take care of things. Um, and so really it's our forums are a place that, uh, takes some of the stuff that's on Twitter, takes the bad out, keeps the good, and really allows communication and, and us to be together. So nobody else is really jumping into those conversations. It's all about Browns fans at the OBR.com. Uh and so I will be uh, looking at what's the next thing. So I wanted to see the offensive line and the run game prove themselves. So now I'm gonna be my next kind of step is what am I looking forward to? And Jeff, kind of a question to finish it off for you is what am I looking forward to in week three? What do I want the Browns to show me, to prove to me, uh, and so that I can feel comfortable? Because uh, game four really doesn't matter in a lot of ways when it comes to week one of the regular season. Jeff, is there anything you're looking for uh, or hoping to see in week three uh, from the Browns So f- after what we've seen in week one and two?
1: Well, I want to see more of a balance. And now, um, obviously, with this week, with the running game, this is fantastic. But now, and you think about it with two quarterbacks who have solid mold, mold, uh, mold, uh mold, mold, um, you know, play action, you know, some rollouts. You know, let's start to see things go hand in hand. You know, obviously a run play and then come back to it four plays later, but run the bootleg off of it with the play action. Let's get more of, you know, you know, a cohesive of everything, everybody working together. You know, obviously week one, we saw this skill outside skill positions do great. This week was more inside. We know that these skill position group are a bunch of talented guys. Let's start to figure out a pecking order and start to incorporate it and and go almost like the baseball lineup of it is, you know, I want to get you. I want to get you. I want to get him something. Get everybody involved. Because there's that much talent here now where there's not an excuse to. And that's what you saw today. There were some guys we didn't see much of this week who had great week ones. Let's start to blend it all together. You know, basically throw it in a blender, mix it together. You know, the defense is still going to, you know, have to be a little bit of a work in progress as far as, you know, pecking order at the cornerback position. But, you know, even though this, and we'll say it now, guys, yes, it's officially a 1917 loss. I don't know if they're going to hold a parade because Hughes Streak is over now in the preseason. I don't know how that works. I don't know if anybody's (laughs) got to jump in a freaking lake because of this. But, uh, you know, guys, all right, that joke is over. The 1-31 is hopefully over. Let's just get somewhere here and get this team to finally winning some football games. Jared, I appreciate you so much for coming on. Guys, uh, the feedback these last few days, obviously with the sound improvement, has been freaking fantastic. I'm glad I could do it for you and finally get it done for you. Um, the product is better. So should be the show that I'm giving you guys. Follow the show at Locked On Browns. Uh, obviously, always a follow-back account. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, I appreciate everything you guys do for me. Um, yes, not a win tonight. Eagles, I do believe Thursday night Eagles. Uh, there will be no hiccups. I won't be looking for no streams. I get Philly TV here in New Jersey. I get Philly, <laughs> so I, I'll have it. I'll be set. I won't be chasing nobody down on Twitter. But, uh, guys, until tomorrow night. Uh, you know what? Maybe not tomorrow night. Jeff does have plans. Until Sunday night. Guys, uh, thanks for everything. Let's go Browns.